My biggest fear would be when the first comes and I don't get the rent. I found that my tenant had dumped concrete down my toilet. Can you believe Fair Housing fined me $5,000 for that? How do you onboard your tenants? What do you do? I don't even know if I do it right. If you're a landlord, don't just rent, rent perfect. The Rent Perfect Podcast with property expert and private investigator, David Pickron. Well, welcome to another episode of the Rent Perfect Podcast. I'm David Picker, on your host. And with me today, I'm super excited. I have Mark Zinman, probably one of few attorneys that I really, really like. Now, I know... <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. I mean, I know we, we love the attorneys when they're on our side. We kind of don't like them when they're on their side. But uh, Mark uh, is with Zona Law Group, one of the premier law groups here, just forming this year. They've combined a couple of attorneys to create just an awesome law firm here in Arizona for landlord tenants. But... Uh, um, just want to really welcome you in and, and love to have your, uh, your opinion here. We're really talking about leases and though, you know, our podcast is all over the nation and we're in Arizona, a lease is a lease, right? Correct. You're always aware of the, the state issues, but I mean, generally the idea of needing one is, is critical across the nation. Right. So anything we talk today, we want you to run, if you're outside of Arizona, we want you to run it by your attorney, make sure you cover your your state laws. We're going to give you kind of general lease um, that's probably good nationwide, but we always recommend you have your own attorney look over your lease and, and meet with you about a lease. Correct. The, the, of course, the disclaimer is I'm only licensed to practice here, so I can only advise on Arizona law, but uh, these things will be relevant to all states. It's, you need a lease. You need the basics. You need to kind of set up your business like a business. Perfect. Well, you know, we always talk about having your, not really being a renters, but being business partners. And one thing about makes it a business partner is you have a contract that really runs your relationship. And I know you've used those terms before when I've listened to you at uh, different seminars and, and we kind of really think the same way there. But what is your whole thinking about the importance of a lease in a landlord-tenant relationship? I can't stress it enough. I mean, that is the really the analogy. People don't, they don't get into this business thinking that it's truly a business. You don't go out and buy a McDonald's and not read the manual. You don't figure out how you're supposed to interact with your customers there. And that's what you have in the landlord-tenant situation. You have that same relationship where you have, it seems like you're friends, but you have to realize it's a business that you're running and you need the basics of what that business is. And your lease with the law provide what the floor plan is of how you're going to control, what you're going to do, what rights you have. I mean, the worst stuff we ever see is you have John's got a property. He lets his friend move in. You have no idea what the rent is. You have no idea what your rights are. And you're just kind of like, off in La La Land instead of actually running a business like you should. Right. And, it, you know, as we show property to people and we think, oh, they're really nice people because everybody's on their best behavior when you're showing a property, right? <laughs> of course. They yeah. want the property. Everyone's perfect. And so you're always like, you know, I'm, I know I have a lot of old school clients out there that are just like, I'm just a handshake guy. And in a kind of a way, I'm a handshake guy too on a lot of things. But this is not the place to do the handshake. And the reason is, is because you might not think you need the lease now, but Mark, when you're in court, it's all you have to live by. That's that's the rules, correct? Absolutely. I mean, even just figuring out what the actual rent is. If people are paying different times of the month, like if you get a payment on the 1st, you get a payment on the 5th, you don't even really know when the rent date is. So if you're going to serve a non-payment of rent notice so that you can actually do the eviction, you got to figure out what the date is, how much you're supposed to put on there, if there's late fees, if there's any other things that apply. And definitely the same, I think, where I see it so much, obviously, is where Landlords start complaining of, oh, well, they're doing this in the property. They're doing that in the property. I don't like them. They're smoking in the property. And the first question is obviously is, well, is it prohibited in your lease? Right. And if it's not? Then you don't have a right. Tough luck. Anything that you want 
to control or to prohibit in your property, it has to be in the lease. Right. It's just critical. Now, let's talk about in, in a court situation. Tell me what the judges are looking for, because in my experience, the judges don't like muddy water. They don't. They want it open and closed, and at least really helps a judge rule in your favor. Oh, absolutely. I think what they expect is really the black or white for them to be able to just... Evictions are generally streamlined, quick processes. They don't want to get into the muddy waters like you're talking about. And to some extent as well, they really expect that if you're a landlord and renting out your property, you should be a business person. So you should have that business outline of here's the lease, and you're able to quickly give it to the judge and say, hey, here's my lease, here's my accounting. This is exactly what's being done wrong. So it's simple for a judge. Once you start trying to get into the weeds and be like, oh, well, I did this back then, and it confuses everything, and it really reduces your chances of success in court. Because most courts aren't run like the people's court on TV. It's not you get your <laughs> shot, and you get your shot, and they decide. and they decide. This, this is all ran by a lease, and if you don't have a lease, a judge is not going to be happy about it. Probably just going to dismiss your case and tell you to go figure it out, right? Oh, there's go, no question. That go see an attorney. All the time. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. People love to see it on the court, uh, how it plays out on TV, but it doesn't actually work that way right. in, in real court. So I have a lot of clients that call me and they say, you know, David, should I do a, a month-to-month lease or should I do a year lease? Is there is there some advantages or disadvantages to that? Oh, yeah, there's definitely dis- uh, advantages and disadvantages to both. I always kind of like to joke, depends how much control you want um, and what that control is over. So obviously the benefit of the year lease, which is uh, pretty much the norm in many cases, is you have the consistency of knowing that person's there for a year. And the hope is that you'll collect the money and you've got that income coming in, obviously, to cover your mortgage and your other expenses. Uh, the flip side of that is with a month-to-month, you have a bit more flexibility. If you, for some reason, just butt heads with your tenant, you don't want that tenant there anymore, and you want to serve in, in Arizona, for example, a 30-day notice to have them not renew, you can do that. Some states, of course, you, you can't not renew on a month-to-month tenancy. Arizona's one that you can And so you'd have more control of just saying, you know what, it's not working out. We're butting heads. You're not treating the property the way it should be treated. And then you can just simply non-renew them. You're not under that year-long obligation that you would otherwise have. But again, at the same time, the flip side is the tenant can do the same thing. Right. And a lot of landlords don't think about that. They always think, oh, well, this is great. I've got the right. I can terminate. Excellent. I've got the control. Not realizing the tenant gives you a notice saying, hey, next month I'm going to be gone. And the landlord's like, oh, my God, I'm not ready for this. How do I re-rent the property? What do I do? How do I give notice? How do I access the property? Oh, my God, I'm overwhelmed. Yeah, no, and, and as a landlord, you do not want that phone call. I mean, I get the phone call saying, hey, Dave, you know, I'm so excited we just bought a house. Okay, I'm super excited for you, but I know I've got a turn coming. Yep. And I know I've probably got a two to $3,000 bill, just carpets, paints, you know, whatever it is. And uh, so I usually like to know when that's coming. And so I like the year lease. Absolutely. Um, now, me personally, and I'm not saying this is right or wrong, after the year lease, I don't mind going a month to month at that point. But that's just my personal preference of doing that. But uh, uh, it makes it easy for me to raise rents at any time if I, if I want to do that. Too. And I think after the first year is really probably much makes much more sense. I do agree with you up front. A year lease is always better. Right. One, you're ensuring you're getting a high-quality tenant that's, from their perspective, guaranteeing to you that they're going to try and make it for the full year. They're not skipping out if... They're not expecting financial difficulties, and you can really rely on that more. I don't think a lot of landlords getting into this business don't realize what you're talking about there, about how expensive a turn can be. Right. And if that a tenant takes off, they don't realize, oh, my God, I have to prepare it. I have to make it ready for the next person. Right. I have to have inspections. I've got to have vendors. I've got to have all this work done. That's money out of pocket. And at the same time, you don't have the person, the, the unit's vacant while you're making those repairs, so you don't have that income coming in. Right, right. 
And a lot of our landlords, I teach them, hey, don't buy a property unless you have a couple rent payments in the bank. So, you know, you need to have some money behind you in case you get in that situation. So, And so the way I do it with a uh, yearly lease and then I go month to month, I'm still protected with that yearly lease as I continue on month to month, correct? Yes. So generally what happens, even if you roll month to month after the lease expires, a lot of tenants don't understand the same landlords don't understand this as well. That lease just continues on a month to month tenancy. So So that is that part, those same terms, the same prohibitions, the same rents, everything stays the same, but it just pretty much expires at the end of every single month. So still no smoking, no pets. Uh, You know, I know who's in my property. I know who's taking care of the maintenance or who's taking care of who's responsible for $50 or under or $50 or over. I still have all those protections that the lease lays out, even though after one year I go to a 30-day month-to-month lease. Correct. And I see that in court all of the time. Tenants come in and we say, okay, well, this is the rent per the lease and here's your late fees per the lease and you didn't pay this fee, which is required in the lease. And the tenant's objection always first is, I don't have a lease. I haven't had a lease for three years. Well, you still have a lease. It just rolls over month to month, and it continues here in Arizona for every month, the same terms, the same obligations, and it's the same rights to protect both sides, actually. It's, it's beneficial both to the landlord and the tenant. So if I'm a new landlord, I inherited a property, or I just picked up my first property, um, where do you think I should go to find a lease? Well, you have, obviously, Rent Perfect. You have places. You have contact with your attorney as well, local attorneys, to do that. It's critical. I mean, you need those types of services to get running. And and I love Office Max, and I love Staples, and I love all those places. But ah, I, you can I, say I, that. I, I, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, getting to, I'm just getting to the point that that is not the place to buy a residential landlord-tenant lease. Correct. Most of the standard leases you'll just find online if you do a two-minute search will not be state-specific, will not have the issues that you actually need to be aware of in your state. And that's entirely critical. A lot of states have provisions that say, if you do something illegal in your lease, there's actually penalties. Well, if you're using a national lease that doesn't even account for that, you may be putting in things that are just flat out illegal in your, in your own state. And so you need to account for that. You need to have it reviewed, make sure it is actually applicable to the state you're in or even the city in some cases. Right. And this is a good plug for your local real estate investment associations or your, your real estate associates at all that could help landlords with attorneys and hooking them up with attorneys that have leases. And if I came to you for a lease, and this is, you know, a question just for you, I know nationwide, it doesn't mean anything, but what can a, a small landlord expect to pay for a really good lease from an attorney? Um, you're, it depends how much modification you want. Usually you're going to pay probably like an hour's worth of time just to get a standard form. If you want right. modifications, they will just bill hourly. Okay. It's just a really not too expensive to be honest 500 bucks maybe? Yeah, at most it, for at just most? a basic Okay, well, we're not going to hold every attorney around the nation to that. <laughs> but, but in other words, you know, this is a business, and we talk about it, and, and to spend $500 to get a, a document that's going to control your relationship with your tenant is worth the $500. It absolutely is because the first time you don't do it right and you're in court with an attorney and you're going to spend twelve, thirteen hundred dollars $1,300 on attorney's fees, you're going to go that $500 that I can have that lease for as long as I'm a landlord, right? You probably want to update it every once in a while. Um, but that is a good, good investment to have that lease behind you. Oh, absolutely. Where I see it the most here, at least in Arizona, is that you're allowed to have a jury trial waiver, for example, in a lease. It's just simply, hey, if we end up in litigation over this lease, neither party is going to have a jury trial because jury trials take, you know, a couple hundred dollars in attorney's fees and turn it into thousands of dollars. And so a lot of landlords that just, you know, wing it and go into this business and they're like, all right, well, we'll do this, we'll do this, write up a scratch note of a lease 
they end up in litigation saying tenant didn't pay the rent, for example. And what used to be a couple hundred dollars in attorney's fees to do an eviction is now four, five, ten thousand $10,000 worth of attorney's fees. And that upfront just getting the lease would save you all that headache, would save you the time that goes along with it. And when you're talking about something so important as someone's house over their head, they're going to do everything they can do to stay. So even if they don't have the money to pay you, they're just usually not going to fold. So if they find a little loophole or glitch, kind of like I can go to a jury trial and it'll extend me out for another two weeks until I get my paycheck, they might use you know, those tactics to delay the eviction. And so the lease will allow them not to use those tactics so you can get your eviction done a lot quicker, get a new renter in, and obviously that puts more money back in your pocket and moves you down the road. Yeah, it just sets out the framework. And so as long as you're working in the framework, what you don't want to create is a lot of loopholes like that so that it just drags the process on for both parties. I mean, I understand somebody wants to fight to keep the residence, which makes sense. They want the roof over their head. But at the same time, the landlord wants the framework so that you can follow the direction so you actually have your rights and you know what that's going to be. It's all about expectations. And if you know what your expectations are and those are followed, it works out both better for both parties. Well, that was a great nugget about a jury trial. Is there anything else in a lease that you think is super important for our landlords to know? Is there any other? I mean, I know it's probably all important, but is there any little nugget that's kind of? Uh, yeah, I think class actions, uh, class action waivers are really important if they're permissible in your state. Attorneys fees provisions, uh, late fees provisions, when rent is due, just kind of the basics of, hey, right. this is your rent. This is when it's due. If you don't pay it, here's how much it's going to cost you. And late fees, if there's any applicable notice requirements. Um, and then, as I said, the class action waiver, I think, is really important. The most important thing, I think, that I see where mom and pops don't realize getting into the business, though, is the restrictions they want in their property. They're like, well, I don't want somebody smoking in my property. Great. Just put that in your lease. Because if you don't have it, it doesn't exist. Things like, you know, from the 1980s, waterbeds were a big thing. If you don't want those in your rental because you're worried they're going to flood out, Prohibit them. If you don't want pets, put that in as well. You have to think, how do you want this property maintained for the upcoming year and really set forth those terms in the lease itself? I love that. One of, the, one of my big clauses that I really rely on just a lot is my tenants are responsible for paying any maintenance on the property under $50. And, you know, that's something that, that a lot of people don't have in their leases, but that prevents the, my light bulb is out, you know? My sprinkler <laughs> head came off. Um, my toilet is leaking a little bit, and it takes, you know, I love that because it turns into a situation where I become their maintenance man if I don't have that clause in there. But I can come back to that lease and say, listen, in the lease, it says anything under $50 is yours to maintain. That saves me a ton of time, headaches, phone calls, because there are those needy tenants out there that think that I exist to service their home and make sure they have a perfect home. And uh, and I just don't have time for that. Right? Uh, understandable. And as long as that's legal in the state, I think it's a great provision to have in there. Because it also works, though, in building more of a partnership you have, especially in the single-family home arena, where it's not a landlord that's on-site maintaining the property that has maintenance walking around like an apartment community. Right. When you're in a single-family home, you're really giving that property to the resident for the year, to live there. And the hope is with that kind of provision, hey, you take care of these minor things. The big things, the AC, I'll take care of. Right. But if a little sprinkler head breaks, you can fix it. And it really gives the tenant also at the same time an ownership in interest of their, I'm taking care of this. I know this is my responsibility. It raises the level, I think, of how they treat the property. 
because they're not figuring, oh, well, if I break it, somebody will come two days later and fix it. It's like, oh, yeah, that first $50 is my responsibility. I need to worry about that as well. You know, you make a great point because I do really present it as this is your home. Treat it like you own it, you know, take care of it like it's yours. I'm not going to be, you know, hovering over your head, stopping in unannounced, you know, treating you like a tenant. I'm going to treat you like an owner. So act like an owner. And, and that clause, if it's presented the way, right way, most people take it the correct way and say, hey, I'm going to go ahead and take care of this property like it's mine. Oh, it's no different than if you look at a, like a car lease versus renting a car for the weekend. People always joke they rent a car for the weekend. They like beat up on it as right. much as they can. Where if you have a three-year lease, you're really going to take care of that lease car more than you would when you just have the, you know, the rental that you drove 2,000 miles on in a two-day span. Well, Mark, I really appreciate your insight. It's valuable. Thanks for coming out and sharing your wealth of knowledge with you. We certainly appreciate you being here. Oh, thank you so much. This is great. And, and for the Rent Nation, um, we have leases in Rent Perfect. I usually don't use this podcast to really promote um, Rent Perfect in a way of what we have and what we do. But if you're really looking for a good lease and you don't have the you know means to go to a local attorney, don't go to Staples. Don't go to Office Max. Give us a call, and we'll help you uh, devise a lease that's in your rent portal system. So we, once again, we talk about leases, how important they are. Um, make sure review your lease or, or get your new lease going. We really appreciate you joining us for this information. Thanks again, Mark. And until next time, rent perfect.